0: America is an apartment complex with no homeowners association, and everybody's doing whatever the hell they want to do. Hi,
1: from the Grio, I'm your co-host, Dr. Christina Greer, and today we have a special guest
0: co-host. Yes, I'm Roy Wood Jr., correspondent from The Daily Show with Trevor Noah and the host of the podcast, Roy's Job Fair, and you're listening to What's In It For Us.
1: Boy, I'm super excited to have you here today. We have three major topics to talk about. The first is Georgia ugh, and their restricted mm. voting laws mm. in state houses across the country. I mm. want to get your opinion, especially as a son of the South. Um, two, now that we're opening up post-COVID, we have a rise of mass shootings yet again. And yep. three, Derek Chauvin's trial and all the trauma that goes therein. What say you, sir? Uh,
0: You know, number one, Georgia, it's not just like, Major League Baseball that's in a rock and hard place. They didn't put Republicans and put Delta in, into a corner. They didn't put Coca-Cola. They painted them into a corner. Uh, it's 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 a very, very interesting time because I think as Georgia goes, so goes the rest of the country. At least that's what happened with the election. I think this could definitely be something that happens, you know, down the road. Also, we should talk about where they're taking the uh, baseball All-Star game, too.
1: hmm as always, we'll think about what is in it for us as we discuss these topics and many more. So, I wanted to get um, started first things first and talk if about. People can't see me.
0: I'm dancing, bro. You're, quick you're shimmying.
1: You're shimmying our royalty yeah, free music. That. Go ahead, um, do your
0: show. Don't mind me.
1: <laughs> well, I wanted to talk about DMX before we get started in our hot topic yeah. for today, because his issues with substance abuse and, you know, sort of being a survivor of child abuse and being in uh, group homes as a child who reminds me a lot of Mike Tyson in the troubled childhood that they had and the struggles that they've been really articulate about, uh, as black men in this country. And so now we know that DMX is in white Plains in the hospital his, his folks have, um, have said that he's, you know, suffered a heart attack and essentially in a vegetative state. What are your thoughts right now on sort of not just DMX and his health, but kind of how do we support black folks who clearly are still struggling, no matter how successful they may be in their, their own lives.
0: I think the important thing that we can take away from DMX as a community um, separate and apart from praying for his recovery, is to check on the people in your life. Mm. Now is the time to make sure that the people in your circles are good. Because, you know, the thing about a lot of us that are dealing with a lot of issues, you know, we're good liars. You know, Black folks, mm. we're real good at just saying, no, I'm good, ain't no thing. We can, we can emotionally try to walk it off. But I think it's important to know that you don't have to do that and that you don't have to self-medicate you know, with with drugs or anything of that nature. I just, you know, I really hope that if there's one thing that has been uplifting to see, mm-hmm. is the amount of love and support that de- like Katz was out there in front of the hospital, yeah. like motorcycle clubs out there revving up and doing tricks and stuff, just to be there in support of this brother. And even like, and, and Black Twitter is interesting because. They love to the slander an OG. They right. they love yes. to the slander an OG entertainer,
1: and especially like, in the right? hip hop world, it's it's weird, oh, right? It's like,
0: it, it, this boy a couple of days ago was talking sideways about Prince. They still ain't let up off him. Right. There ain't been not nan negative nothing about Earl Simmons on Al Gore's internet thus far, and I right. love it. Right. Love well, you it. know
1: what's so interesting? And someone wrote this, and, and this is the beauty and the genius of Black Twitter someone said, DMX is the only entertainer who would pray for his own audience. Like as he's performing, he would stop and just be like, hey, I'm gonna pray for y'all. And like, even though he was going through so much. And I think the reason why this is sort of hit me, particularly in, in a poignant way is because of, I think because of COVID, because we've seen the rise of people overdosing, because we've seen the rise of suicides in particular communities, there just as you said there's so many people who are quietly struggling we need to be checking on our folks
0: i think why the black community is so emotionally tied to dmx is that he was so emotionally naked on his music Mm. you know this brother didn't make he made party records but he would turn around and make slipping where he's literally walking through the loneliness of growing up in yonkers and all the trauma that he dealt with like that's it's crazy to think that that's a hit song per se, but it's also someone showing you who they are and what they're going through, so you you can't help but feel some level of emotional attachment to that. One of the articles had him listed as Grammy-nominated rapper, and in the back of my head, I was like, "That man ain't won a Grammy, right?"
1: There's there's a there's a lack of understanding, I think, by the the larger music world about the significance of not just DMX but what he would say to black people and make their stories real, make our lives and experiences acceptable in a in a way where it's just like this is the circumstance that we have come from and we are we are to be acknowledged and to be seen. As we continue to pray for DMX as he has always prayed for us, we will still always think about. What's in it for us as Black people as we sort of traverse this post-COVID, quasi-COVID world? Okay, so Roy, I wanted to have you on this week especially because Georgia, and I know that you grew up in the South. I know that you went to fam.
0: Ham all day, <laughs> um, Tallahassee and you, all day.
1: You rep Alabama. You rep Florida. And you know, as as we've said, Georgia in 2020 was so indicative of the direction that the South could go. And I think we, as Black people, we know the pendulum swings. So we saw the success of Joe Biden. We saw the success of Reverend Warnock and John Ossoff becoming two you know, Democratic senators from the state of Georgia. And so we knew that there'd be some backlash and some repercussions. Oh, of but course. I don't know if folks fully understood how swift Governor Brian Kemp would be in signing a bill into law that would restrict voting, and not just for Democrats and Black and Brown Georgians. I mean, it's gonna hurt Republicans too, Um, not in the same exact ways, but I mean, he's strengthening ID requirements for absentee ballots. He's giving lawmakers the power to take over local elections. He's limiting the use of ballot drop boxes. He's shortening early voting periods for runoffs. He's making it a misdemeanor for members of the public to offer food or water to voters waiting in line, something that is clearly stated in the Bible that we should be doing for our fellow neighbors. So, I mean, where are you, when you read that, and I know you still have family in the South, were you just like, okay, and I mean, this is what we knew would happen, or are you even surprised that this is a bridge too far?
0: Um, It didn't surprise me. You know, I'm from Alabama, where they got a carpool to drive three counties over just to get to a polling station. Mm-hmm. like you know like there's been so much racism around voter suppression that in the back of my head I read all of that and I was like all right well at least we can still vote on the day
1: <laughs> right right So we because can still the Jim Crowness d- is, whew,
0: is thank you sir for taking it back to just 1973 mm-hmm. and not 43 like that's how ingrained it is. You know, I'm talking about, of course, you know, in parts of rural Alabama where they just straight up just shut down polling stations mm-hmm. in poor parts of the country where you have to drive God knows how far. Old people, there's no mass transit. Mm-hmm. There's no bus. You know, so that I was not surprised. I'm never surprised by anything in the South. And the only people surprised by it is folks, that's not from the South. Right. But what's
1: wild to me, though, is, like, Malcolm X was like, anything south of the Canadian border is the U.S. South. So, like, why should any of us be surprised?
0: I don't know, but there still seems to be a lot of people. I think that, you know, we were still kicking back and sipping the the champagne from Georgia getting flipped blue Mm -hmm. and not expecting, you know, the empire to strike back so far. I paused a little bit for the Star Wars. I figured you'd appreciate that. But on (laughs) phone. there's
1: roywood jr you're my only hope
0: (laughs) (laughs) there's there's just a level of insidiousness to Mm -hmm. what they're doing and to then turn around and frame it as something that's beneficial and i don't think we'll ever gonna i don't think there's ever gonna be do you think there's ever a way to get poor white people to understand that they're in the same boat as us and to understand that this is literally chopping y'all off at the knees too
1: Well, here's the thing that's so fascinating. LBJ, my favorite president, also a son of the South, was so clear of like, okay, so y'all poor white people, of which I'm a descendant, he would tell them, he's like, you don't recognize, like, as long as we can keep y'all thinking that you're better than the Negro, we can basically pick your pockets all day long. Martin Luther King was trying to organize poor white people when he was assassinated, right? And he's just like, listen, our circumstances are inextricably linked. There are way more... Poor people in this country than black people. And if we think about, you know, not to get too wonky political science, but like we think about Federalist Paper number 10, when we're talking about factions and protecting the majority from the minority and the minority from the majority, it's like if poor people actually got together, there could be. A, a reckoning, a political reckoning in this country oh, that yes. we've never seen.
0: And I oh, think, yes. you know,
1: this is what I want to get your opinion on because I, I think what's so fascinating by what we're seeing in Arizona, well, in, in Georgia, but now Arizona and Florida, and obviously it'll come to Alabama, Mississippi uh, sooner than we think, it's always couched in fraud, trying to protect the electoral system from fraud, as if Black people yeah. realizing their franchise immediately means there's some fraud in the system and we should not do it.
0: Well, that's because you've sold the people who are frustrated with the results of the presidential election that it was stolen. So Mm -hmm. if they'll drink that Kool-Aid, then they'll, of course, drink that. the law. This is in the effort to prevent what happened from happening again. Well, hell yeah, go ahead and damn right. Pass that law, Mr. Governor. Mm -hmm. Um, I just, the thing that, the thing I feel like we have to be careful about, though, with Georgia, which is why I've been slow to speak about it, you know, in a lot in a lot of larger capacities. You know, I know Trevor has on the show. And, you know, of course, we talk about it from a broader sense. But when you talk about activating people into what should we do about this, I think it is imperative that we follow the lead of Georgians that are on the ground there that have been doing a lot of the work. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing where Georgia's concerned, where the South is concerned is a bigger, but especially Georgia, that unsettles me to a degree where people get so upset and so indignant that they kind of shove their way to the front of the activism movement mm-hmm. line to go, this is what needs to happen and that's what we gonna do. Cause that's not right. Slow down, bro. Right. Don't live here. You're not gonna vote in this election. So let's talk and then coordinate together. But well, this is you know this
1: is why I wanted to have you on because you're super smart and I love your analysis because this this goes to your point about Delta and and the all-star game. You know, there are a lot of folks who don't live in Georgia who were 110% behind this boycott. And it's like, let's, you know, let's let's move the MLB someplace else. But there are a lot of Georgians, and if you've read Stacy Abrams' um, sort of press release about this, there are a lot of folks uh-huh. who are like listen. Boycotts are, are helpful to a point, but removing the, the All-Star Game is an economic decision that honestly will hurt poor Black people and working class folks who were relying on this game being in town for us okay. to actually to make some money. So I think that there's this tension between punishing a state for their bad behavior and obviously, a lot of Northerners are calling for that to happen. But then, people who were actually in the state of Georgia saying, "Actually, this might not be and the best way."
0: You think you're sticking it to politicians by showing them that you will take something away that affects people who nine times out of ten, eight eight times out of ten, ain't even voting for them. Right. So I don't care. Bye. Like they'd have to take golf. <laughs> or... <laughs> yeah, it's like, listen, listen we go
1: for tennis. And low key, we we still took over took over golf, but I mean this sort of helps me transition to our next topic though because it seems as though we're now opening up, right? The fact that we were even having a major league baseball event it, it is mind boggling because just a few months ago we couldn't imagine being with anyone more than the people who live in our our homes and maybe one or two other folks if you wanted to be a little risky with COVID. I mean I haven't seen you in person in over a year and we live in the same city, not too far away from one
0: another. I'll come by and wave at you. Let, right? Let me see your vaccine card laminate that thing. So I know it's real, you
1: know, you know, that's, that's about to be the new hot ticket. Um, but you know what, what is worrisome for me? Cause you know, I've been teaching online for the past year, but as an educator and, and I know you've got a, a little one that you talk about uh, every now and again, you know, as we open back up and kids start going back to school. And, you know, I have not taught in person, but I'll be going back to the classroom, most likely in the fall if people are, are vaccinated. Sadly, we're seeing the rise of mass shootings. So as people are now going back to the mall or going back to restaurants and going back to schools, we're seeing this American obsession with guns and violence yet again. And it seems like the folks in DC are like, you know what, we tried. I mean, I guess after Sandy Hook, when those innocent white children who were middle-class were murdered in the middle of the day and nothing happened on a policy level. I really just wrote off gun control.
0: Like we're never gonna that do That was it. it. I saw a guy outside walking and he had on noise canceling headphones. And mm. I was so horrified for him. Cause I'm like, do you like, maybe it's just being black in America, but I'm like, I need to hear all the sounds at all times. I don't need to cancel no noise. Because I don't know what the hell is coming around the next corner. You have had people for a year who have lost their jobs. They have lost loved ones. They could not grieve them properly. They lost their job. So now you can't afford therapy. That's on top of everything that you were dealing with before the shutdown. And now you're just going to reopen the country to people who have not been able to work through these issues. They have a million new things to be scared of. And of course, yeah. The, I, like, I am, I'm, again, I'm not surprised at just how quickly the expediency mm-hmm. that we got back to just shooting at each other mm-hmm. with, yeah. you know, with the Asian community. March
1: 16th, community. the spa at, outside of Atlanta. Eight people, including six women of Asian descent, killed at three spas.
0: I still believe that this country is in the wake of a lot of the rhetoric that Trump used to stir up people to make them believe that they're... Down that their life is not their fault but to blame someone else and they are now acting out on that anger and that hate on innocent people and the pandemic did not help that you know well, i mean the vaccine will keep us from infecting each other but it's going to take more than a shot to get people to start healing
1: yeah well i mean if we think about racism as a disease not just in in a, a, a figurative sense but in a literal. Correct. I mean, we now have, as you said, we have people who have been unemployed for quite some time. We have people who have suffered, some families and communities have suffered losses that we can't even wrap our minds around. We have no healthcare system that is worth you know, its salt. And now you have folks who, because of the rhetoric, consistent rhetoric of the past four years, slash four hundred years, you have people looking at Asian Americans. You're, you know, blaming them for coronavirus. You have immigrants blaming them for taking their jobs. You have Black people blaming them just for existing as citizens. And now we're seeing this ire and access. I mean, that's the crazy thing. You know, linking this to Georgia, you can roll up and get a gun, but you can't vote. You can get a gun without an ID, but you can't exercise your right the franchise. I mean, what kind of democracy is this, you know? And, and I think also what what joking about the vaccine and like how we can finally hang out together, I think what it's also exposed is like, so we were able to get it for free, just walk in, get your shot and bounce. This is what healthcare could look like. This is what it looks like in some other countries. You have an issue, you go in, you get corrected, you walk out, you don't go into debt. You don't lose your home and your livelihood based on a medical condition
0: I, the, do you think I, i'll say this i don't think universal health care will ever happen in this country i no. support it i am for it yeah. i don't we're, think I think, it we're will too ever happen.
1: I think we're too racist as a nation we, to we
0: a use nation. these other countries as these benchmarks of measurements of decency forgetting that these countries are smaller they came up in their traditions and that's who they are and that's who they've always been and that level of give a damn about one another is in their fabric for centuries and centuries, right? America ain't been around long enough. America is an apartment complex with no homeowners association and everybody's doing whatever the hell they want to do. And you're just not going to get, you're just not going to get everybody on the same page because everybody is the land of opportunity. Everybody's got a different goal. And some people are not looking for opportunity, they're opportunistic.
1: When you say that we're not gonna get everybody on the same page, I mean, this makes me think about the Derek Chauvin trial in the sense that we all have witnessed the same exact video, yet and still there is great division as to what we saw. We saw a man cry out for his dead mother, right? As we watched a man lose his life, and now there's a debate as to whether or not the man who did it against company and police policy should be penalized for his act.
0: Well, my knee didn't kill him, the drugs that was in his system eventually later right. did it. Like and the fact that someone has to sit and contemplate and and get to call in a medical examiner um, for better or for worse, I have not watched a single frame of the mm-hmm. trial. I can't. I just I just yeah. want to ride, ride the roller coaster. I read the Great. updates in the morning and I mm-hmm. You know, I might check in and see what Don Lemon said real quick. I might check in with Lester Holt if he can, you know, give it to me in 90 seconds without as much trauma. But for this one, just, I'll watch The Verdict. Right. The day you read The Verdict, I'm going to watch that. But I cannot go through that roller coaster. Not when there's still Black people getting shot while this trial is going on. Got a thirteen-year-old questionable shoot. Um, I believe Pharrell just lost his cousin in um, West Virginia to something that's a little shady when nobody can play. So it's still happening while watching
1: right. someone yeah.
0: debate. I just
1: this isn't a one. This isn't a one-off that we're traumatized by. This is a consistent conversation. I think for me, Roy, though, where I knew that I couldn't watch the trial is the opening the opening of the trial where it's just like, so here are the children who saw this happen and we can't let you see them because they're too young for the public to know who they are. But yet and still, Mm -hmm. they saw a man lose his life in broad daylight when they were just going to the store. And I think that for me, as a Black person, when we still have to watch the news every day and hear what's going on with Black men, women, and children, is just, it's an assault on top of assault, on top of abuse, on top of trauma. I cannot
0: get invested on this and watch a black police chief testify and then find out on the day that that's still not enough to send someone to jail. I would like, if that's not enough, I don't know what the hell is.
1: Right. I mean, well, I think that isn't no. that the crux of the question, right? I mean, what is ever enough, right? So. If that's not enough, I don't know what it is when it comes to voting. If that's not enough, I don't know what it is when it comes to shooting. If that's enough, I don't know what it is when it comes to police brutality with Black people. I mean, I think that's the crux of this question, which is just like, I don't know if we will ever be incorporated into this nation in a way that we can ever be seen. I mean, it doesn't seem possible, Southerner or not.
0: It just requires more people at the policy-making level. And that's the one thing, and you want some optimism, you want something to be happy about. Yes, please. The racial composition at protests is far more diverse now than it was, say, back Trayvon Martin era protesting. Somebody on them protests going to get elected. Those are future elected officials. Mm-hmm. And at, very more importantly, the city and the state level. That gives me optimism that there's a lot more active young people. I hate that they are robbed of their innocence. It's like to see the young sister Amanda delivering a poem at inauguration. Right. Powerful and beautiful. But then there's a small sliver of me that goes, she should have to be plugged right. into this.
1: Why does, why does a 21-year-old need to question our, our sheer existence as, as folks? Well, Roy, I mean, ugh, this, this conversation is gone way too fast. Please promise me you're going to come back so we can continue this. Because
0: oh, yes. You, I wanna... Come on, now. You're the I, people. I,
1: you know, you're one of my favorite comedians because obviously you're very funny. We get it. But I love the way you approach politics. And I don't know if it's because I'm just partial to you because you're a child of the South. I don't know if it's just because you're wicked smart and your mom was, a you know, uh, an educator as well. So I, I just, I like the way your brain thinks about this country. And I think that's why I appreciate comedians so much because you all actually have to travel the country to make people laugh. And you have to understand the the nuance of- of
0: region, region.
1: As a nation. Um, okay, so before I let you go, what's next for you? Obviously we can catch you on the Daily Show with Trevor Noah. Um, But what are you up to
0: these days? The the main thing I'm doing right now, um, I have a new podcast with iHeartMedia. It's available wherever you get podcasts. It's called Roy's Job Fair. So essentially, it's a podcast where we just discuss employment in the terms of sharing crazy work stories. We give terrible work tips, but more importantly, the one little nugget in there, as Tom Joyner would say, party with a purpose. Mm. Um, we invite people on from varying industries across the country to discuss job openings in their field. And so, you know, these people, the job might not be where you live, but the industry is. So it can give people ideas of where to go and where to pivot to. If you're not happy with what you're doing, we talk with, you know, entrepreneurs and talk to them about their journey. Um, It's, it's, it's been dope. It's been fun to do. You know, like I didn't know that, or at least it wasn't something I considered as a man. Um, because of because of the lack of employment and the lack of health care, and you talk about you know the childbirth mortality rate as it relates to Black women, you know, dying on the delivery, t- dying in the delivery rooms, there is a skyrocketing need for doulas, and there's nonprofits all over this country that provide community doulas, and if you wanted to do that, it is an opportunity that exists.
1: That's great. And I think in this moment, especially as we emerge post-COVID, that podcast is going to be really informative and helpful to a lot of people. So what's the name of the podcast one more time?
0: Uh, Royce Job Fair. Royce Job Fair. Royce Job Fair.
1: Roy, thank you yes, so ma'am. much for joining us today on What's In It For Us and helping us think through what all this means for Black people. Because at the end of the day, that's what this podcast is all about. So I so appreciate you coming on.
0: Well, thank you, ma'am. Good to see you again. Love the books in the background, too. I know everybody can't see the books, but...
1: I read sometimes. Thank you for listening to What's In It For Us. If you liked what you heard, please give us a five-star review and subscribe to the show wherever you listen to your podcast and share it with everyone you know. Please email all questions, suggestions, and compliments to podcasts at thegrio.com. The What's in It for Us podcast is brought to you by The Grio, an executive produced by Blue Talusma, and produced by Abdul Kaduz and Antonio Thompson.